0: And a warm welcome to The Afternoon Show. I'm Bill Arnold, and thank you for uh, joining me today. I've got a very special hour planned uh, right now, and we are starting a brand new series on the red words in your Bible. So we're going to be talking about only the words of Jesus, and I want to say it's going to be living and active, and it's going to be an exciting time in this series. So thank you for uh, spending it with, with me. When I want to start a series, I want to start with, mm, like, Clayton Kershaw or Max Scherzer. I, I need to bring in someone who's going to be amazing. And I have that person in studio with me today. You might know him as Ask the Professor, Dr. Mark Muska, but Mark is claiming that it's going to be Ask the Host today. Yes. So you can only imagine. I'm a little sweaty.
2: Turning the tables on you, Bill. <laughs> yeah. And Rosie and I are ready. We got five questions each.
0: Yeah. But... Welcome, Mark. And I know mm-hmm. that you are officially a retired professor after 30 yes. blah, blah, blah years. Yep. A lot of years. And thank you for your service here at, North, at University of Northwestern. And thank you for being my uh, starting day pitcher on The Red Words of Jesus Living Sounds and Active. Good. Yeah.
2: I have to confess, I don't like the red letters in my Bible anymore. My eyes are getting dimmer. And if the light isn't real good, I can't read them real well. <laughs> so yeah. isn't that terrible? Yeah. But uh, otherwise.
0: So we're going to talk about a passage in Scripture today that you get especially animated about. And you're, mm-hmm. you're going to talk about Matthew 24 and 25 today. Yep. And it's going to have a, an eschat- eschatological uh, perspective. Enunciated. I Eschatological. know. Eschatological. Eschatological. Yeah. yeah. It took me what, twice to do mm-hmm. it? Yep. So yeah. So that's going to be the topic today. And so let's let's set the table, Mark.
2: Sure. Yep. Um uh, when I teach theology, one of the categories of theology that gets uh kind of the short end of it all, is at the end of most studies in systematic theology. It's the uh, uh, topic of eschatology, and eschatology is the study of the end times, or it's the study of the last things, the study around Jesus' return, and how everything's going to wrap up Mm -hmm. at the end of the age. And uh, this very uh, controversial—I've been a Christian about 50 years now, Bill, and There was great excitement about studying eschatology back when I was first a Christian. A lot of prophecy conferences, a lot of really exciting things. And a lot of that was because the nation of Israel had come back into existence Mm -hmm. in 1948. And everybody's going, oh, wait a minute. The Bible talks about that, that Israel's around. And so there was real excitement. Well, now in the 21st century, things have cooled off. And there's not nearly the interest anymore. And it's kind of turned on the other uh, foot and uh, people uh, just uh, avoid. Studying eschatology, it, it frustrates them. They don't like predictive prophecy. It's symbolic. They don't understand it, and they feel like, well, it's just going to happen anyway, isn't it? Why do I need to know about it? Mm-hmm. Just hang on and you know with the ride. And that I love what another theologian said about this, where he, Millard Erickson, in his, in his theology book, he labeled these two groups as eschatomaniacs and eschatophobics. <laughs> <laughs> that eschatomaniacs: everything they see is around the return of Christ, mm-hmm. and they're tall. You know, they got charts falling out of their Bibles and the whole thing all the time. They're just red hot for the end times. And uh that's what it was like back in the nineteen seventies, nineteen eighties. And then you got your eschatophobics where they feel like they're gonna break out in a rash if they read too much prophecy. Mm-hmm. They don't like it. Mm-hmm. And so uh I think there's a need for us to establish that this is a legitimate part of biblical teaching. Jesus had a lot to say about his return. And so we can't just neglect it and say, hmm, you know, we're, we're just not going to. So uh, I've tried to make a case with my students in the last few years uh, why it's important to study eschatology. This is relevant. It's important. And so, uh, and I, come, I came up with at least three reasons that the Bible teaches us that it's important to study
0: You actually have those three reasons on a a neon-colored postcard. Isn't that neat? It's like
2: kind of greenish-yellow. Yeah, with
0: your own personal handwriting.
2: And I can read it, see. I know, because it's 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 your your handwriting. Yeah. And so, uh, but anyway, there's three three things I think we're going to point to. One is that eschatology helps comfort Christians because we know what's coming. We might be suffering now, and and Christians have suffered mightily historically in the church. But we know the last chapter of the story, and that's that Jesus wins, and we're going to be with him forever. I love how Paul says it. First Thessalonians four thirteen through eighteen. He talks about how Jesus is coming for His people, and he says, "And we will forever be with the Lord." And he ends that by saying in verse eighteen, "Therefore comfort one another with these words." Yeah,
0: that's powerful.
2: It should be comforting. Yeah, we should never get too shook up at a world that's gone haywire and starts to persecute us.
0: Amen, Doctor Mark Mosca.
2: So, thank you for saying that. That already encourages me. So, comfort Christians, but yeah. then it's also written to challenge Christians too and to exhort us, uh, to give us a kick in the butt if we need it. And the exhortation in the scriptures is pretty much around the idea of be ready for Jesus' return. Be on the alert. Be watchful. What does that mean? Well, that I want to get into that. But uh, Jesus, in Luke 21, he talks about he's coming, and he says, therefore, don't don't be weighed down with the worries of this world and this life. Then this day come upon you like a trap. Mm -hmm. Be ready for it. And so that's a legitimate reason for us to study eschatology is to help us to remain ready for Jesus' return. And then a third one that's not real popular today is there's plenty of eschatology that talks about challenging non Christians to come to faith in the gospel, that there's a day of accounting coming, Mm -hmm. and you don't want to be found wanting. You Mm -hmm. want to be on the right side of that when God holds all of us accountable for what we have done. Uh, That day is coming. And so uh, thank God that today is not that day. Today is a day for salvation, to put our faith Amen. in the
0: gospel. Amen. But if you're hearing these words, right? It's, it's a legitimate... A day of salvation. It's perhaps. a legitimate
2: warning. Yeah. And I don't think it's the main reason why we study eschatology is to scare non-Christians or something course, like right. that. But it is a part of the gospel message that there is this accounting coming. Mm-hmm. So we have to be ready for it. So those three reasons are really important. But I, the, the red letter part of this, I'd like to go back to that second one okay. about being on the alert, being watchful, being ready for Christ's return. If you're a Christian, and I say this, and I tease my students and say, okay, you guys are supposed to be ready, right? Are you guys ready? Yeah, we're ready. Okay, what does that mean? Uh, I don't know, but I'm ready. (laughs) Uh, And I think that maybe I need to get up on a high, tall hill and start looking left and right and up in the sky and seeing if Jesus is coming. Does that mean what it means to be watchful? I don't think so. And I've got uh, a passage here that we're going to look at, these red letters in Matthew 24 and 25, where Jesus, he spells it out pretty clearly, what it means to be ready, to be on the alert, and to be watchful for his return. Mm-hmm. And so that's the big lead up to your red letter passage here. I today. love it. And Mark, and thank you for that. And thank you
0: for giving some uh, historical perspective. I- Probably would imagine the left behind series generated a lot of interest in end times as well.
2: It did, and that was more toward the uh, the nineties and into the twenty first century. Mm-hmm. But after those books were written and the whole Y two K thing simmered down, uh, everybody was scared to death about that. Then things have just in the last twenty years or so, it's just not a hot topic.
0: Yeah. So for do you, Christians? Do you think a lot of churches are not teaching end times? I
2: think so. Uh-huh. And why would you say that? Uh, the, you? They, uh, What's they the reservation? can't hold their people's attention. Really? Well, because they just, they get frustrated by it. They're okay. thinking, who, what in the world is this? These horns growing out of his head and the, the wings of this and that and uh, all this symbolism. How am I supposed to understand what that means? And yeah, so I can understand that. They get frustrated by
0: yeah. it. Yeah. Not surprised. All right, let's jump into Matthew 24. Dr. Mark Muska is my guest, and this is our opening session of our red-letter words. So we're going to be focusing on just the words of Jesus, and we are in Matthew chapter 24. Yep.
2: Okay, you ready to go? I'm set. Okay, just to set the context, it's late in Jesus' ministry. He's going to be going to the cross here pretty soon. Mm Mm-hmm. This is one of his last extended times with the disciples and it's sometimes called the Mount of Olives discourse mm-hmm. starting in Matthew 24 because Matthew says in verse 1 uh, he's uh, I'm sorry in uh, Matthew 24 uh, verse 3 it says and he Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives the disciples came to him privately saying tell us when will these things happen and what will be the signs of your coming in the end of the age And then Matthew says, Jesus answered and said to them, and now the whole rest of chapter 24 and all of chapter 25 is in red. It's Jesus talking Mm -hmm. on the Mount of Olives. If you've been to Israel, Mount of Olives is on the east side of Jerusalem. It overlooks the temple. They're looking there at what Jesus is describing here now. But in the first part of this uh, sermon that he gives, he explains the conditions on the earth before he returns. This is where we read about wars and rumors of wars. There's going to be people claiming to be the Christ, but they're false Christ. It's going to be terrible, terrible persecution. Mm-hmm. In fact, this is where we get the term, and there will be a great tribulation such as the world has never seen, nor will it ever see again. It's going to be really bad. Mm-hmm. But then he describes his appearing, starting in verse 29, And they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of the sky to the other. So there it is. He returns. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. At the end of all this. But now it gets really interesting because he starts telling parables about how important this is. Mm -hmm. And one of the things he says, first of all, is he says, you need to be ready for this because nobody knows when it's going to happen. And so to understand what it means to be ready, we have to start with that premise, Bill, Mm -hmm. that nobody knows. What does it
0: mean to be ready? And we're going to take a short break. And okay. when we come back, we're going to continue this discussion with Dr. Mark Musco. We're enjoying our first uh, episode in a series called The Red Words of Jesus. And they are living and active words. And we'll be right back in just a minute.
1: Listening to an encore presentation of Afternoons with Bill Arnold, Faith, Hope, and Clarity in a special repeat performance.
0: Welcome to the show. I've got Dr. Mark Muska with me, and you usually when you hear that name, you associate it with Ask the Professor. But the tables are turned. He's teaching today on the uh, Red Words in scripture which are the words of jesus and that's the series title that we're going to be working from for many months so i'm looking forward to hosting a number of guests and teachers and theologians who will talk on the red words what what they love of the words of jesus what animates them what they want to teach on and mark has chosen uh matthew 24 and 25 today so
2: yeah being ready, that's a big deal, Mark. Well, that you know, just to catch up, yep. uh, one of the reasons we study eschatology is to be ready, to be on the alert, to be watchful for Jesus' return as his followers. And in this Matthew 24 passage, he's just described how he's going to come and the conditions before that. And now he says three different times in about the next 20 verses, you don't know when I'm coming. So even for us thick-headed knuckleheads, it sinks in after three times. <laughs> so mm-hmm. he, he says in Matthew twenty-four forty-two. Therefore, be on the alert, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. Okay. Two verses later, for this reason, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not think He will. So you get that, Bill? Yeah. Nobody knows. Okay. And in fact, he's not coming when you think he will. In fact, he uses a very interesting illustration for it in the middle of those two verses. He says, be sure of this. If the head of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have been on the alert and would not have allowed the house to be broken into. That's the stupidest thief in the world, right? Right. Hey, Mr. Homeowner, I'm coming tonight and robbing your house. You know, it's not going to work. The guy's going to be ready. Right. Right. The robber is effective because he comes at a time you don't expect. Mm -hmm. And so Jesus is saying, that's the way this is. It's at a time you don't expect. So people have tried to date this in the past. You have these people claiming prophecies and revelations about Jesus is coming back June 4th, 1994, and all that stuff. And I get cynical at that point, Bill, when I hear somebody say, that, oh, really, June 4th, 1994. Well, you know what? I'm getting my calendar out, and I'm crossing that one off. Because I know it's not that day. Mm-hmm. I don't know when it is, but Jesus says it's at a time when you don't expect Him, and you say He's coming then, so He's not coming then. And it's Mark, a- so many people
0: have made projections as to when they believe, and they, they give specific dates. Right. And it's never happened,
2: and it never no. will. No, it's at an hour. Did you hear it? At an hour that you do not think He will. That's mm-hmm. when He's coming, okay? Yeah. And then after He teaches these parables, He comes back to it again in chapter 25, 13. He says, Be on the alert then. For you do not know the day or the hour. So, is that established? Yes. We have to work from that foundation. We're there. Because no one knows when Jesus is coming, what does it mean to be ready? Okay? Mm-hmm. And he teaches a couple really cool parables. The first one is a parable about what he describes as a faithful and sensible slave. Where would we find this, Mark? This is in Matthew 24. Verse forty five, it's right after he got done saying, For this reason you almost almost be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not think he will. And then look, listen to what he says. I'm just going to read these verses. Who then is the faithful and sensible slave whom his master puts in charge of his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that slave whom his master finds so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But if that evil slave says in his heart, my master is not coming for a long time and begins to beat his fellow slaves and eat and drink with drunkards, the master of that slave will come on a day when he does not expect him at an hour when he does not know and will cut him in pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So what does it mean to be ready for Jesus' return? Well, compare the two slaves the faithful and sensible slave Mm -hmm. versus the wicked slave. And I'm just going to lead you through this. What was it that the faithful and sensible slave did that made him faithful and sensible? What did Jesus say he did?
0: Um, You get in here too, Rosie, if you want to. He uh, um, put him in charge of the servants in the household to give them their food at the proper time.
2: Right. And
0: he did it. And he did it. Right? Yep.
2: Now, what did the wicked slave do that made him wicked?
0: Uh, he beat his fellow servants, and he started to eat and drink with drunkards.
2: Yeah, and now that's what he did, and what did he think that led him to do that?
0: Um, he thought
2: the master was going to be staying away for a long time. That's right. He's thinking it's going to be a while. Yeah. It's So what no does hurry. he do? He parties, and he beats the slaves. Yep. Right? Yep. So what does it mean to be ready for Jesus' return? Yeah. Bill passed <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I out. I,
1: I wanted to pipe, pipe in, but I was writing... So I'm like, oh, I don't know.
2: I missed that whole section. Yeah, but that, yeah. He did good. I was was mopping my sweat. I I was mopping my sweat like Louis Armstrong there. Yeah. But think of it then. What does it mean to be ready for Jesus' return? That means that this faithful slave was doing what he was given to do. Mm -hmm. And the master interrupts him. Can't you just see this? It would make a skit where the guy is in the household, he's got the slaves gathered and said, oh, okay, guys, uh, okay, uh, shift A, you guys go out in the field and work. Shift B, you guys stay in here and h- get your meal mm-hmm. and get fed, okay? And then after an hour and a half, we'll bring you guys in, shift A, and shift B. Go out. And he's doing all this, and all of a sudden he goes, oh, look at that. The master's at the door. Wow. The master finds him doing what he was given to do.
0: Mm,
2: okay. Okay hmm He's not sitting on the top of the house looking around for the master.
0: Yeah. He's going about the master's business.
2: He's doing what he's been given to do. Awesome. And so that is what it means to be ready. And so I can just say to these listeners here right now, right now, at this time in your life, are you doing what God has given you to do? Every one of you, if you are a follower of Christ, you have been given opportunities and responsibilities that God has given you to do, and are you about doing them or not? Mm. I can't answer that for you. I can only answer that for me. Mm-hmm. And you need to be able to answer that because the kicker comes in when you put the wicked slave in there. Because what did he think again? Plenty Master, of time. Master's going to be a long time. Yep. Right? Yep. And so he didn't do what he was given to do. Right. Cut to pieces, right? He went in a direction. Well, it's almost like a, a, a Aesop's fable and a moral of the story. So what does it mean to be ready for Jesus' return? It means that you are faithfully doing what God has given you to do because Jesus might come back before you think. Mm-hmm. That's what doomed the wicked servant. Wow. He thought it was a long time. Think of it. In 2022, hey, it's been 2,000 years. It's not going to happen today. It's not going to happen tomorrow. I can go get drunk tonight. I can go and sin and, and carry on, and I'll get better later. Mm-hmm. Very, very dangerous thing to think. Yeah, boys. Because it ever. he may be coming before you think.
1: That's like a condition of the heart.
2: Mm-hmm. It is
1: of the. But non-servant. notice,
2: you're aware of that Jesus is coming, but you're also aware of what you've been given to do. I mean, I can break this down for people. Uh, you're teaching a Sunday school class. Uh, of kids uh, on the weekends, are you faithfully doing that? Are you doing your work to prepare for that? Are you doing the best you can to connect with those kids? Are you doing that? And are you doing it right now? You're not saying, oh, it's still the beginning of school. I'll wait till October before I get serious. Mm -mm. You're doing right now what God has given you to do, what the Lord has given you to do. You've got relationships all over the place. Christian and non-Christian, God has given you a family. Who knows if they know the Lord or not? If they know the Lord, are you faithfully taking advantage of that opportunity, of that relationship you have with family members to nurture their faith and build them up and strengthen them in the Lord so that they grow closer to Christ? And are you doing it now, or are you waiting until next year or something like that? You're putting it off, making excuses. Oh, they're not ready or whatever. You have non-Christian family members, friends, people you work with. Children, all that, are you faithfully doing what you've been given to do with these people, with these opportunities you have, with these situations? Or are you making excuses? Are you delaying? You better not, because Jesus may come back before you think. It's pretty convicting, Mark. It very convicting. Yeah. I don't like teaching on this because I get the double whammy back on myself. I bet when I teach this stuff, it's 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 something where we so easily put things off. The procrastinators of America right now hate me. They're going to try to cancel me now because <laughs> of, of this. That because they love to put things off. Don't put this off. God has given you things to do it and uh, uh, to do for Him in His work. You know perfectly well the things that He's given you don't try to avoid it but do it now do it now because he may come before you think
0: mm-hmm. that should be encouraging and comforting yeah and energizing it should
2: help. it should I to get help. serious you yes. know what why why squander today and tomorrow and next week and next year oh you know when i retire i'll get going with that prison ministry why are you waiting until then right what do you have the opportunity now yeah can you carve out the time is this something you can do well Jesus may come before you think he's given you this opportunity, giftedness, background in teaching, take advantage of it and use it to advance god's kingdom. so I really like that parable
0: I, I do too can okay. we
2: can we continue into
0: uh fifty one verse fifty one he will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What does that refer to
2: yeah that I don't know exactly okay. but it doesn't sound real good that sure doesn't I, I I just assume a void oh, fifty yeah. well, I'm there. with that as well. It sounds as though this person is in deep trouble with the Lord, that he's going to face uh, the anger of God, yeah. not not the love of God. I don't like his outcome at all. No. Yeah? No. So anyway, you with me on that? That's, uh, I'm, I'm completely with you. That's the first part of this. All right. So, so what does it mean to be ready in light of the fact that no one knows when he's returning? Be faithfully doing today what God's given you to do. With the gifts you have and the opportunities mm-hmm. you have and the relationships you have. Yeah. Because Jesus might be coming before you I think.
0: love that. Dr. Mark Muska is my guest. And that, Mark, is very simple instruction that everyone can uh, understand. So thank you for that clarity. We are going to take a break when we come back, continuing our first series in Red Words of Jesus. And Dr. Mark Muska is my guest. And we are in Matthew chapter 24 and 25. We've got plenty more teaching ahead. This has an eschatological uh, perspective to it so uh, we'll he said be, that right thank you we'll be right back
1: you are listening to an encore presentation of afternoons with bill arnold faith, hope, and clarity in a special repeat
2: performance.
0: Oh, I'm so excited to have Dr. Mark Muska, my friend, right here in studio, um, because recently he relocated. So to have him here is a big treat for me and Rosie, and I'm excited that we're starting a, a new series on the red words in the Bible, which would mean those are only the words Jesus spoke. And Mark is uh, taking us through M- Matthew chapter 24 and 25 today. And it has an eschatological perspective.
2: <laughs> I did notice how he pauses a little yes. bit before he says He's it. He's doing good. <laughs> he is, he yeah, is.
0: I'm still nervous, but yeah. I, I, yeah. I got it out. Mm-hmm. So, Mark, really masterful job of preparing us to know that the time that he returns, no one knows. But to be ready and to be ready means we're going about what God has called us to do.
2: Yep. So what we've gotten, gotten so far from Jesus, he's described the conditions on the earth before he returns really bad. He's talked about when he returns. And then he says, no one knows exactly when that is, the day or the hour. And it's going to be, at, as a matter of fact, a time that you don't expect him to come. And so in that light, what does it mean to be ready? Well, the faithful and sensible servant here in Matthew 24, verses 45 through 51, it means that you're doing what God has given you to do right now because he may come before you think. Mm -hmm. It may be that don't be that wicked slave and think it's going to be a long time yet. Very dangerous, uh, very risky to take that attitude. But now it's like Jesus is going to put the teeter-totter on the other side of it in chapter 25. So he just got done saying, nobody knows when I'm returning, so you better be doing right now what God has given you to do because it may be before you think. But now listen to the next parable, very famous parable about the ten virgins. Next verse, after the parable of the faithful and sensible slave, chapter 25, verse 1, Jesus says, Then the kingdom of heaven will be comparable to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were prudent. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the tru- prudent took oils in oil in flasks along with their lamps. Now while the bridegroom was delaying, they all got drowsy and began to sleep. But at midnight there was a shout, Behold, the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the prudent, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the prudent answered, No, there will not be enough for us, and you too. Go instead to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they were going away to make the purchase, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding feast, and the door was shut. Later the other virgins also came, saying, Lord, Lord, open up for us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Be on the alert, then. You do not know the day nor the hour. So... Here we go. We're going to have another quiz, all right? What does it mean to be ready for the return of Christ? In light of the fact nobody knows when he's coming. Well, it's comparing five wise virgins Mm -hmm. to five foolish foolish Mm -hmm. virgins. So let's just break it down again. What did the five wise virgins, prudent virgins, do that made them wise? They got extra oil. They've got extra oil. And for people who don't understand this, we're talking about the kind of oil lamps they would light a building with this. It would be, uh, uh, I I like to put it in uh, 21st century terms, like uh, 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 flashlights with batteries. Okay. That these five uh, uh, prudent virgins, they brought extra batteries with their flashlights. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so uh, what is it that the foolish virgins did that made them foolish?
0: They did not have enough oil.
2: All right. And they didn't bring and extra batteries.
0: They did not bring extra batteries, and their lamps were starting to dim.
2: Well, but see, the whole, t- the whole passage turns on the first phrase in verse 5. Look at it carefully. It says, now when the bridegroom was delaying, he hadn't come as soon as they thought he was going
0: to come. Mm, here we go again. Yep. And so... They became drowsy and fell asleep.
2: Yeah, but the wise virgins were ready for it. They brought their extra batteries their extra oil. Mm -hmm. So when he did come, they were ready. The foolish virgins weren't ready to wait it out. They had their lamps, but they figured he was coming right now. And so, boom, you know, they were ready. They weren't ready. And so what does this mean to be ready for Jesus' return? If I'm understanding this right, Bill, it means that we are prepared to go the distance for God throughout our lives to be faithful to him, because, like the foolish virgins, Jesus may come later than you think. Mm-hmm. And that covers the other side of it. So that the good and faithful servant, yeah, he may come before you think. So you better be ready right now to be doing what God's given you to do. But the five widest virgins, you also be ready to be faithful over the long haul because he may come later than you think. Mm-hmm. And that is, it, it, that's very powerful, especially for people that are getting to be my age, that uh, when I was first a Christian back in the 1970s, I thought for sure Jesus was going to show up any time, that I wouldn't get married, I wouldn't have a family, there'd be no career, anything like that. Boom, he's just coming like that. Well, now it's 50 years later, and I've got the feeling like, you know, I think I'm going to go to be with Jesus before he comes for me and the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. And so have I been faithful? over these last 50 years, and I can only answer that for myself. Nobody yeah. else can answer it. Mm-hmm. So my question for you is, are you now doing what you need to be doing to be faithful over the long haul mm-hmm. with what God has given you?
0: Wonderfully encouraging, Dr. Mark Mosko.
2: Well, I I can give you examples of this again. I think the most powerful example is parents with children. Are you faithfully bringing those children up in the love of the Lord and the fear of the Lord to go the long haul so that even after you're gone, these children are being faithful witnesses to the Lord Jesus Christ in coming generations and that they'll pass it on to their children and so forth. There's been a whole lot of generations that have passed since Jesus walked the earth. So are we are we faithful? That means that we're faithful to bring them up and teach them the way they need to be, te- uh, need to be taught, that we demonstrate for them Christ-likeness in the way we act and the way we speak because they're formative years when we have them, and it doesn't last long. I've got grandchildren right now that I know that my children realize uh, the clock is ticking on them. They don't have forever. They've got time for now to be investing in that next generation before those kids go off and live their lives as adults. So are you being faithful? I like to say this is encouragement at the start of a school year for students to say, why are you in school? Now, there's some knuckleheads that, like in my generation, they were in school so that they could party and get stoned and Mm -hmm. not face life and just, you know, pay some money for classes once in a while. One of the dumbest things you can do. But most of the time, people go to school because they're preparing for something. Mm Mm-hmm. Someone is going and they're getting a a degree in business in college because they want to be able to provide for their family and do the kinds of things in their business for the next 40, 50, 60 years after they graduate from college. They're preparing for that, and they're not just living for the present. They're recognizing Jesus may come later than I think, and so I got to prepare to be faithful. This hit me like a load of bricks when I was in seminary, Bill, because— I went to Dallas Seminary, beautiful weather out there. We used to sit out on this mall uh, when classes weren't on and uh, study and talk and do these kinds of things. Well, one uh, one spring day, this fellow showed up, and he was a self-proclaimed uh, prophet. He had a cross that he dragged along with a little wheel on the bottom, and he had uh, <laughs> with kind of a wild look on his face and raggedy clothes and everything, and he used to come on our campus, and he would exhort us to say, why are you wasting so much time in seminary? You've got enough preparation right now. You need to get out now and be witnessing. The Lord is near. Get the gospel out. Uh, build people up in the faith. Uh, You're wasting these years of of, uh, uh, time in seminary. And you know what? I looked at that and said, no, I'm not. This is called preparation. That, yeah, I'm I'm on the shelf at Dow Seminary. It was four years of preparation to get this degree and to get this preparation. I thank God every time I think about it, Bill, that I took that four years, though, to prepare for the long haul. Yeah, Because it's been 40 years now since I graduated Mm -hmm. from seminary, and I know I am far more effective as someone in the Lord's service with that training than if I wouldn't have had it. And so that's an example of wise virgins, of Mm -hmm. thinking about the long haul, about a life lived, decades long lived for the Lord and not just right now. So if you put these two together, it's pretty cool, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it's very cool.
2: The foundation that nobody knows when Jesus is coming and he 's going to come at a tower we don 't know. you cover all your bases if you 're doing right now what God has given you to do because He might come before you think, but you 're also living for the long haul because he might come later than you think mm-hmm. that covers all the bases you don 't have to worry about it, and so maybe maybe it 'll be before we even finish this show this afternoon. It might be another 3,000 years right. before Jesus right. returns. Mm-hmm. That's irrelevant. The important point is, are you faithfully doing what God has given you to do right now and for a lifetime? That's the, that's the power of this. That's what it means to be ready for Jesus' return.
0: And, and that's a wonderful answer to this question, what does it mean to be ready? And you've done a spectacular job to this point letting us know what that means
2: it's it's just powerful. Mm-hmm. how it, it leaps off the page at you. And so is this with you, Rosie? Are you satisfied mm-hmm. with this with the 10 virgins?
1: Well, I'm so satisfied. So should we fill everybody in? This has been one of my scriptures that I have been asking the Lord to explain to me, mm-hmm. what is the oil? Yeah. I want the oil. What is the oil? Yeah. And you walked in, Mark, with the answer to my question and yeah. an answer to prayer. Thank you.
2: Well, sometimes this gets spiritualized. Uh, The the parables you have to be careful with because uh, it's easy to read a lot into them. And I'm I'm of the school that looks for the main teaching that's coming out of the parable. Unless Jesus breaks it down and says all the parts have meaning to them, uh, that uh, the the oil here, uh, this has been described as the Holy Spirit, that they had the Holy Spirit with them. And that's why they were wise uh, virgins. I think we do have the Holy Spirit with us, but I'm not sure this passage teaches this. And so we got, we got to be careful what passages we appeal to for correct teaching. Mm -hmm.
0: Mark, is there anything we can learn when the bridegroom, here comes the bridegroom, come and come to meet him, come out to meet him and the virgins that woke up and trimmed their lamps and the foolish one said, give us some oil because our lamps are going out. And they said, no, anything we can learn from this exchange?
2: Uh, what do we know about I, I that? I don't know. That, yeah. I, I, again, it might just be a detail of the story. Okay. That uh, obviously it's illustrating that everyone's accountable for their own lamp <laughs> or for their own life. Yes. That can we... you, you can't take responsibility for what other people are doing. And you can't mooch off other people and think that somehow they're going to bail you out when you're the one that has to stand before God yeah. someday. So yeah. maybe you can go there.
0: With, well, I like that. that. I mean, it, what what I'm hearing you say is your mooch may not be satisfactory. In God's no, eyes.
2: no, that we we stand before God ourselves. Mm-hmm.
0: So, all right, Dr. Mark Muska is my guest. We're talking about the red uh, words in your Bible, which would be the words Jesus spoke, and mm-hmm. we're uh, talking about Matthew twenty-four and twenty-five today with an eschatological perspective, which I find uh, to be incredibly comforting. And Mark has done a, a a spectacular job of telling what it means to be ready. So, if you've missed any of this, I really I practically insist you go to the podcast and check it out from the beginning. We will take a short break and come back. A couple questions here have shown up, and then we'll also uh, uh, start to uh, put Mark back on the hot seat. All right, be right back.
1: You are listening to an encore presentation of afternoons with Bill Arnold Faith, hope and clarity in a special repeat performance.
2: morning,
0: by morning new mercies I see all I have needed thy hand hath provided Welcome back to the show. We absolutely love every word in Scripture and we love the words that Jesus spoke. And those are the words we're talking about on this uh, series. And Mar- Dr. Mark Muska is our guest, and we're in Matthew 24 and 25. So, Mark, we've got uh, the parable of the bags of gold. That's still uh, the last part of chapter yeah. 25 of Matthew. I know there's, again, more to learn there.
2: Well, there's plenty left in okay. chapter 25. There's 46 verses there, and we just went through the first 13. Okay, But it's still on the same theme, Bill, that you know, uh, reviewing here. Mm -hmm. Jesus is teaching. Very soon, he's going to go to the cross. He's sitting on the Mount of Olives with his disciples. They've asked him, what are the signs of his coming? And he's told them, and now he's teaching these parables about what it means to be ready for his return. He starts by saying, nobody knows when he's returning. In fact, he's going to return when we don't expect him. And in light of that, what does it mean to be ready? We're doing today what God has given us to do, the wise and uh, faithful and sensible servant or slave, because he may come before you think. We are also living faithfully for him over the long haul, preparing to live decades for Jesus, like the five wise virgins, because he may come later than we think. Mm -hmm. And now he teaches a third parable and uh, my Bible talks about it as the parable of the talents. But sure. this helps us also understand what it means to be ready for his return. And this is a little longer, so you've got to hang in there. Anybody going to fall asleep if I read some scripture No, here? no, you do a great oh, okay. job of reading. I'm just a uh, bedtime story thing, you know, sometimes. Yeah, I'll keep an eye on Rosie. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, she can drift off. Okay, right after he gets done with the ten virgins, next verse, verse 14. Jesus says, For it is just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability. And he went on his journey. Immediately the one who received the five talents went and traded with them and gained five more talents. In the same manner, the one who had received the two talents gained two more. But he who received the one talent went away and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money." Now, after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. The one who had received the five talents came up and brought him five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Also the one who had received the two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I have gained two more talents. The master said to him, "'Well done, good and faithful slave. You are faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master.' And the one who also had received one talent came up and said, "'Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. And I was afraid and went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours.' But his master answered and said to him, "'You wicked, lazy slave.' You knew that I reap where I do not sow and gather where I scatter no seed. Then you ought to have put my money in the bank. And on my arrival, I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore, take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has, more shall be given. And he who has in abundance, but from the one who does not have, even what he does have will be taken away. Throughout the worthless slave into the outer darkness. In that place, there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Well, wow. So what does that mean? to be ready that means again that we have been entrusted with certain things from the lord in this case he uses the illustration of money you know talents we always think about skills and abilities people have but this is a this is a measure of money here he's talking about five talents is a lot of money back in jesus day but notice what the two slaves did that handled this correctly, they took and they used those talents, that money that they were given, to increase the master's assets. That money didn't belong to the slaves. It belonged to the master. But they increased it. They advanced his his assets, you mm-hmm. could say. In, in the case of Jesus, advanced the, the kingdom of God here by what they had been entrusted but the one who had the one, he didn't do anything with it. And notice how he's called wicked and lazy slave. And so uh, it's taken away from him and given to the one who originally had the five. Notice in this too, Bill, that the reward for the man who had five talents and made five more and the reward for the man who had two talents and made two more, that the reward is identical. hmm That he says, well done and good and faithful slave, enter Mm -hmm. into the joy of your master. So that, you know what that tells me is, there's people out there that are mega talented and gifted. They've been endowed with a lot from the Lord. I think of people like Chuck Swindoll and some of these fantastic ministers, Billy Graham Mm -hmm. and these people. And you look at that and say, well, you know, he's just, he's up in a class of his own. I'm, I'm a little peon here. Well, you know what? That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you've been entrusted five talents or two talents. God expects us to use it and to bring in a return for it, meaning that we're faithfully witnessing to the gospel of Jesus Christ and we're faithfully building up the brothers and sisters in the faith to become stronger in the faith with whatever we have been entrusted with. The amount we're entrusted with isn't the important part. It's what you do with it. Mm -hmm. So some people might have very simple things that God has entrusted them with, but if they use it for the glory of God's kingdom and to advance his kingdom, they're going to hear this too. Well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your master. Mm -hmm. So what does it mean to be ready? That we have faithfully invested the things that God has entrusted to us so that it brings a return to the assets of the master. Is it just me, Rosie, or did he make that sound
0: really simple?
1: it sound really, really simple. I thought so too. And slightly. Convicting. I just had to check.
0: Yeah. I had to check with you. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm convinced now that I, I believe that he made it very simple. All right, Mark, can we uh, can we get a little um, uh, take it in a slightly different direction because it does have an eschatological sure uh, perspective. And this verse out of one Thessalonians chapter four yeah it says the Lord Himself. Will come down from heaven with a loud command and with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first after that we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so will be with the Lord forever therefore encourage one another with these words and a question that came in is that when it comes to teaching biblical end times in an effort to to um, uh, Teach this idea. Uh, is there too much disagreement about pre-trib, mid-trib, and post-trib arguments?
2: Yeah, I think that's a really important question, and I'm glad it came up because when we look at this eschatological material that talks about the end times and what's going to happen, and all this about Jesus' return, we have to recognize that there are some things in the Bible that are crystal clear and this passage has a couple in it, that if you believe the Bible, you've got to believe that Jesus is going to return. Mm -hmm. And from this passage, he's going to return for his own people. He's coming for us who have put our faith in him and in the gospel. And when he does, we're going to be with him forever. Mm -hmm. That is explicit. That That we don't have to waver on at all. Yeah, makes me weepy. But then what isn't... As clear, in my humble opinion, is the timing of all of that Mm -hmm. and how it relates to things like the great tribulation period that Jesus talks about and the resurrections and the millennial kingdom that's talked about in Revelation 20. All of those events, it's difficult to sort that out and to get the sequence right from reading biblical prophecy about it. And so there's great, wonderful, godly super smart theologians, pastors, and teachers out there that honestly disagree on some of those details Mm -hmm. as far as the sequence of all that. But if you ask them, is Jesus coming back? Oh yeah. Is he going to come back for his own people? You betcha, if they're Minnesota theologians. (laughs) (laughs) And are are we going to spend forever with Jesus? Yep, yep, yep. They are absolutely on the same page. Mm -hmm. And so I like to tell people, try to Try to separate out the things that you can know with confidence that the Scripture teaches and 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 focus on those things. And then go ahead and debate and argue and laugh with your friends about the timing of all that, where we just might not be able to agree uh, on all those details of that. But we get so caught up with all that of the disagreement that sometimes we forget how much we actually agree on about the return of Christ. Mm-hmm. And so start there. Uh, I like my, one of my images I l- use is don't let the shadowy prophecies that we can't figure out real well, don't let them cast a shadow on what you can see clearly in the scripture. Mm-hmm. Make sure you remember what's there and unequivocal without, without doubt. If you believe the Bible, you got to believe he's coming back. He's coming back for us and it's going to be great.
0: I love that. And I love how First yeah. Thessalonians 4 ends oh. in verse 18. Therefore, encourage yeah. one another with these words. You bet. And Mark Muska, you've done a spectacular job of encouraging us today. Oh, with I'm, these I'm words I'm happy
2: about that. I hope so. I mean, this is why we get our noses in the scripture, isn't it? Is yeah, it to is. To be able to learn and be encouraged yeah. and hopeful.
0: And did you so. teach everything off that green note card that you brought in? I don't know. You want to double do a double check to make I sure. Can, uh,
2: tell Bill he's wonderful. I didn't do that. Oh, well, that was number good, eleven. Good on thing that. we still got okay. plenty of time for that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. No. You're wonderful, Bill. Thank you, Mark. Yeah. Well,
0: you're you're amazing, and I I love <laughs> you, and I love your teaching, and I know you're a huge blessing to the listeners here at Faith Radio. So awesome to be with you, my friend.
2: Yep, it's yep, been fun.
0: Yep. All right. If you missed any of this, I promise you're going to want to go to myfaithradio.com. Go to the Afternoons with Bill show page and start this podcast from the beginning. This is so densely rich with encouraging uh, words. And these are the words of Jesus, the red letter words in your Bible. And we are going to continue this series with lots of other guests, but I wanted Mark to be my opening day guest and he pitched a no-hitter. So we're excited that uh, he could be with us. That wraps up our show for the day and for the week. Thank you for supporting Faith Radio. See you next week.